0: Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So man, tune in, listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Well, we've been talking about transition just last weekend. We kicked off the new year talking about change and I don't know how many of you would like to see things changed from last year to this year, but I'm kind of into that, okay? And every year I look and I want to say, God, I want something different this year. Actually, let's go a step further. I want something better than last year. Now, when we say that, some people feel guilty because, uh, you know, some people say, I don't, I don't deserve better. You know what? You and I didn't deserve heaven either, but we got it. All right? So thank God for Jesus who came and died on the cross, rose from the dead, so that we could have something that we didn't deserve. So please understand that if you feel bad about yourself, you can feel better thinking about God and what he did when he sent his son. That's how special you are to God. Um, One person wrote, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. You are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So before I kick this off, I believe that people are critical to your destiny and your future. As a matter of fact, I've heard it said that I can tell you who you're going to be five years from now by the books you read and the people you hang out with. Now, I'm not suggesting that right now you, you change friends, but maybe friends need to change in order to take the journey with you. In other words, if someone's always dragging you down and somebody's always in doubt and somebody's always telling you the things that, that are bad and things are never going to happen for you, things are never going to turn around, you know what, you might just look at that person and say, you know, if you can't get happier than that, you probably need to go join an E or a small group because <laughs> I'm going where the honey is, all right? I mean... I am not going to follow negativity. I'm not going to be around negativity. It doesn't mean negativity's not around us, but I'm not going to be around it. Because I know the plans that God has for me. I know the plans He has for me. God's already got a blueprint for your life. You don't have to say, God, please design something for me. He designed it when you were conceived, put it in your mother's womb, came out with you, but you haven't seen it yet because you haven't looked hard enough. Now, God, I want to know what you have for me. See, sometimes we live our faith by just uh, just getting up and going with the day. But the reality is you and I have the capacity, if not the mandate, to put a demand on who God made us to be. Things don't just happen. Magic doesn't change a thing. But miracles do. And you can get your miracle, but you have to go get it because it's waiting on you. Some of you have been waiting on a miracle. It's time for you to know the miracles waiting on you. Waiting on your response to the mandate of God. We didn't just happen to float into this building. We had to work hard to move into it. Uh, We didn't say, well, zap, we hope there are chairs here. No, we had to order the chairs. We had to do something to make this manifest. Now, it doesn't mean works, but it does mean faith and works together combined to see what God has for you. So turn your Bibles to uh, Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. Kicked this off last week, reading it out of the New International Version, which reads Without a revelation, my people cast off restraint. Without a vision, without a revelation, without something before you. You won't know where to go. I mean, I thank God for Siri, even though she's a little sensitive sometimes. I don't know how many of you put Siri through stuff, but I ask some pretty bizarre questions, and every now and then I call her names. But you know what? I kind of thank God for Siri. Every now and then she gets confused when there's construction in a city. But, you know, I want to know where I'm going. And used to, in the old days, you had a paper map. You had to get it out, figure out where you were. Now you say, Siri, show me the closest Starbucks to where I am. I have five locations. I'm going to the male voice. She's wearing me out. Anyway, you know, they offer that now. You know that? I think they ought to offer a lot of them. I think they ought to offer Minnie Mouse, Mickey Mouse, all kinds of voices on there. But the fact is... If you know where you're going, you're going to be less frustrated, and you're probably going to get there quicker. It's the same in your life with your destiny. You have to know where you're going in order to get there. So 2017, so it's really the second Sunday, but really the first for most, January 1. Some of y'all don't even remember. Oh, well, they must have been the 930 crowd. They got over to hangover, <laughs> so... We're glad you're here, but this week we'll talk about making those transitional changes. And restraints don't mean uh, keeping you from something, but cast off restraint means keeping those things away from you that will keep you from moving forward, that create resistance to your destiny. And so out of the Amplified, it reads, where there is no vision, no revelation of God and His Word, the people are unrestrained. So it means that they don't really know what to do with their time, with their life. They don't have an agenda. They don't have a plan. His Word's a lamp to our feet feet, and a light to our path. So the Word of God shines light on the destiny of God that He's put in you. So let me put it this way. When I got born again, came out of a, a real bad lifestyle of drugs and everything else imaginable that goes with that culture... And so the first scripture when I got born again or the first word that created restraint in my life that kept me from doubting God and kept me from believing God was I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That was the very first uh, verse that I memorized as a new Christian. And I needed that because I grew up in an I can't do world instead of an I can do world. Some of you grew up in I can't do, and what I want to do is transition you to I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, we don't just read the Bible for feel good, and we don't read the Bible to impress God. How many of you know God's pretty impressed with his creation already? He's impressed with you. God looks down from heaven, and when you got a big pimple right there, he goes, hmm, that's my girl, Mm mm-hmm. And you're looking in the mirror, and God's looking in your soul saying, I don't care about all this right here. I mean, I do, but I don't because I care what's going on in here. And we're working on our cosmetics, and God's working on our soul, and we've got to differentiate between the two. On your worst day, God is still your best bet. On your worst day, God is still the best thing for us. And we have to transition our thinking. So the reason we don't cast off restraint The reason we don't lose our minds, the reason we don't lose our way, is because we have the Word of God. Now, this is a new year. Some of you are starting out this year going, I'm going to be in church. You know what? I'm glad you're in church. I'm glad you're here. And some of you may be here because you think, well, I just, you know, I don't expect anything. I'm just going. And some of you may run out of fuel by February. It's what happens at the gym. I I hate the gym in January. I go and I look at the guys behind the counter. I've been at the same gym for 17 years. I've outlasted everybody. There's only one lady that's been there longer than me, and I let them know I've been there longer. Y'all need to behave. <laughs> I walked in the other day, to, in, in January 2nd, it was about 2 in the afternoon, the day after New Year's, and it was packed. And I looked and said, What are all these people doing in my gym? <laughs> then I looked at him and said, It's all right, they won't be here in February. I said, just track it for me. Just track how many new members you got in January. And then you and I go back on the computer, look how many are here in March. Now, it's a terrible thing. They'll keep paying membership, but they won't show up, which means their life will not be changed. Let me tell you all something. Most people do gym drive-bys. You just drive by the gym. But that's not bad. If all you can do is do a drive-by look at it, you know, you change your habit one step at a, at a time. Drive by next week, drive up and park. And that way, you can tell everybody, I went to the gym. You did, but you didn't do anything with it. If it's all right, you went to the gym. You were one step closer to working out than you were last week. It's awesome. And just sit there and, and you know, like eat a big old cheeseburger or something, you know? Because I know you're conflicted. You know, you're, you're, your body's going to have something, you know? And then the next week, maybe just show up and walk in. Don't work out. Don't touch a weight. Just walk in. We don't want you to be overwhelmed. Just walk in and maybe just go over and touch a 45-pound disc. I'm telling you, you may change. Your physique may just shift right there. You have to start somewhere. And so it creates this discipline, if you will, that says, you know what? I'm just going to go by the gym. I'm going to walk into the gym. Sit at the fruit bar. Have uh, one of those protein drinks that don't taste good. They don't taste all that good, but they change your life. So anyway, without a vision. Habakkuk said, God spoke to Habakkuk and said, you know, write the vision down. And the Message Bible says, write it in large block letters and keep your eye on it. So in 2017, things are not just going to be different because it's a new year. They're going to be different because you're a new you. And a new year means nothing without a new you. A a change of mind, a new mentality, a new outlook, a new attitude, new habits in your life. That's what changes things for you. Things will not change without you changing. Things will not change without me changing. We have to do something with what we know to do. And so without a vision, you're going to perish. That's what one translation, with no vision, my people perish. That means they suffer. They live a life below what I've called them to live. They're not as happy as they're supposed to be. And listen, let me tell you something. I am a promoter of happiness. Some church people say, well, you know, we just weren't meant to be happy. Well, then go to Sour Church. I don't care. But you know what? Because religious people can't believe that all that came with Jesus' birth, death, burial, and resurrection. Matter of fact, the Bible says in His presence is fullness of joy. That means you start getting in the presence of God, and some of you came in here, you're worshiping, and and the music's playing, and you start feeling happy feet. You know why? Because God's presence is here. We've made it, we've ushered in His presence by honoring and respecting Him. And it changes things. So I want to challenge you, if this is a part of what you want to do in 2017, you need to write it down Sunday, 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 Sunday. Sound like a monster truck rally commercial. We're going to church. I'm going to church. Now, I know you're going to miss some Sundays, but some of y'all give yourself way too much permission. (laughs) You know, you just just say, well, you know, I feel like it. You know what, if if you're being led by your feelings, 2017 is going to be no different than 2016, no different than 2015. We're not called to be led by our emotions, our feelings. We're called to be led by the Holy Spirit. And you know what? Sometimes the Holy Spirit has us do things that our bodies don't want to do. I did not want to get up this morning. Alarm went off at 6 o'clock, and I rebuked it in Jesus' name. And it did not respond. Siri man, beep, beep, beep. I did hit snooze. I didn't even know what happened when I looked at it. I can't get up right now. You know, you're blind. You hit something. I went off. And then nine minutes later, you're like, "Got to get up, got to go to church." Why? Because you're the preacher. <laughs> Amen. Somebody. <laughs> Any of you old enough to remember May West? Let me look, Google her. She's a colorful lady. Google May West. <laughs> she said, "You only live once." but once is enough if you live it right. You only live one time. We only live once, but that's all you need. If we were called to live twice, Jesus would have given us twice, but if you live once right, it's all good. So live it right. What do you want? There are categories every year that I look at. Number one, I look at spiritually. Who do I want to be spiritually? How do I want my life to change spiritually? You see, religion says that we perform for God. So some of you came to church and you think God's happy that you're here. God's always the same. Yesterday, day, and forever, God's just happy. He's not happier that you're here at home. But let me tell you, when he sees that you're taking advantage of the life that he's offered you, it I believe, I believe it does excite the angels when you start living that life. But spiritually, it's not about performing for God. It's about submitting to God. See, you, your life won't change because you do better. Your life changes because you're submitted to Him and it becomes better. And so a lot of people say, I'm going to go to church, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. But we do it for the sake of impressing others. You don't need to impress anybody. You just need to submit to God and He will impress you. Because when you submit to God, I'm telling you, it changes everything in our lives. So this year, my number one goal spiritually is, I want to be more submitted and surrendered to God. That's it. I don't have this, this list of, you know, I'm going to find God. You know, God's not playing hide and seek with you. As a matter of fact, there was a book came out years ago, and I, I know the author, and I'm not demeaning him or disparaging him. But he said, God, chaser. Let me tell you what. God's not running from you, so you don't have to chase him. The flip side is true. God's probably chasing us. So why don't you just stop and get caught? <laughs> You know, that's all you have to do is just stop and get caught. That's all I want to do this year is, is make myself surrender to God. I want to stop when he says stop. I want to quit running from God when he says do certain things, and and I want you to, to go here, go there. I just want to surrender to God. I don't have lofty spiritual goals. Submission to God is going to be tough enough for me because there are just times I don't think God moves fast enough. And there are times God doesn't smite people I think he should. Yeah, I'm just being honest. There are people here today, all of you want somebody to be hit upside the head. You do. Don't tell me, oh, yeah, no, I don't. Yeah, you do. You just ain't talking about it. You gloss it over. You cover it better than some of us. I just step up and say, God, you know, hit them. And then I repent. God, I'm sorry that I want you to hit them. I still want you to hit them, but I'm sorry. Give them a flat tire on an icy day in a busy intersection, God, please. I don't want anybody to get hurt, but I just I just want I just want to be there and drive by and go. <laughs> <laughs> so when I'm submitted, God and surrendered to God, guess what? I'm honest with God. And there are times, God, I, I just tell God, I don't like feeling this way, I don't like thinking this way, and I tell, I'm honest with God. And and you know, I, I, but but and I think sometimes we get religious with God. We pray. Pray pious, high prayers, and, and we really wax eloquent, and we get impressed with ourselves. Wow, that was a great prayer. That's a great thought. That's a great pursuit. I don't have a pursuit. I, I am submitted to God. That's my goal spiritually this year. Submitted and surrendered to the Lord. Now, let's talk about mentally. Mentally, you, your mind needs to be remo- renewed. That's what the Bible says, that we're re- to renew our minds with the wa- by the washing with the water of the word. So the way you think is the way you're going to behave. It's going to be what you do because our mind drives most of our activity and our behavior. Now, some of you are driven by emotions. I'll get to that in a moment. But mentally, what can I do to renew, renew my mind? Well, uh, get up and read the Bible. Get up and wait on the Lord. Set and wait before, before the Lord. And, you know, some of y'all, you, you know, you've heard the Scripture when Jesus said, couldn't you tarry or couldn't you wait with me one hour? The answer for most of us is, heck No. Can't wait 30 minutes. So we started this thing last year called Seven Minutes with God. And just sit down for seven minutes. Seven minutes. Just sit down. So we started this. And since we started this, there's a lady that used to live here, go to the church I pastored, and and and, and so she's been watching us online. I got an email from her again this week. And and when we started the seven minutes with God, she started doing it. And she said, man, it changed everything. I got an email uh, yesterday. She lives in North Dakota, a church email, and she says, You know what? My seven minutes has turned into a lot longer with God. You know why? When you get comfortable with God, you will lose track of time. When you get comfortable knowing you don't have to impress God, you don't have to perform for God, you don't have to say some eloquent prayer before God, but you just sit and say, God, here I am. I have a chair that I do that in. I just sit in my chair. You can call it whatever you want. I just call it my prayer chair, my listening chair, my hearing chair. Why? Because God already knows what I think before I go to that chair. You know what I do when I go to that chair? God, tell me what you think. I want to know what God thinks because, quite frankly, I know, I know we could argue theologically all we want, and you have not because you ask not, and the reason you don't have it because you asked the wrong motives, I get it. But Isaiah 46.10 says, be still and know that I'm God. See striving. The New American Standard says, Cease striving and know that I'm God. So if you're in a striving relationship with God, Something is not actually the way it ought to be. And I know how we feel. We make big mistakes, and guess what we do? We spend however long someone requires us to spend trying to make good on those mistakes. When the reality is, in the moment you turn to God, God says that's enough. So typically, it's not other people, it's us. We beat ourselves up for longer periods of time than we should. And uh, when in reality, submitting to God, saying, God, spiritually, I'm submitting to you. I'm renewing my mind by reading your word. And then, you know, I read devotionals. I have two devotionals I read every morning. And uh, one is Jesus Calling. If you don't have that, it's a great one to get because it's very simple. And it just keeps us reminded. The lady who wrote it, her story is phenomenal. And uh, basically, it's just how she feels that God's speaking to her and speaking to us. I want to know what God's saying to me every day. And I tell you, it's spot on. And the other one's out of print. It's by Dick Mills. He's gone on to be with Jesus. And I read those devotionals every morning. And then I, uh, I'll read a little scripture. And then I just sit before the Lord. So I don't know how, I don't ever even watch the clock anymore. I don't know how long I'm there. I don't care how long I'm there. Now, this may not work for some of you who work 8 to 5, so you can't tell your boss, well, Jesus told me to sit still. <laughs> Usually that doesn't work well unless he has a moment in God makes him fall over or something. So, here's what happens. Keep an open heart and an open mind. Because, let me tell you right now, most of us have framed our lives by our upbringing. You behave the way you behave because you saw your mother and father behave that way. Now, your behavior may be sanctified as compared to theirs. I don't know how you were brought up, but... You may not act exactly like them, but the reality is we typically close our minds to new ways of thinking and new ways of doing because we're creatures of habit. And so this is why years ago I would instruct people, tomorrow morning, get up and go to work by a different route. It will drive you crazy. The other day I tried this. I'm living in a neighborhood. I haven't lived in a neighborhood in a long time. I lived in the country and so I, I didn't realize how crazy some builders are. They, they just create spaghetti streets for no apparent reason. Wh- whatever happened to the grid, you know, like north to south, east to west? No, these things go every direction on the compass in my neighborhood. And I knew there had to be more ways out of my neighborhood than there were, so I thought I'm going to try to find a new way. I got lost in my neighborhood. I thought I was going to have to talk to Siri. <laughs> Siri, seriously, I'm lost in my neighborhood. How do I get back to my house? I know two ways out. If you can just get me back to my crib, I can get out of the hood. No, not me, because I'm a man. We don't ask anybody for directions once we get started. But I'm thinking if I change that voice to a male voice, I might actually ask for directions. And so I literally ended up a mile north of where I needed to be. I found out there's no, I couldn't go that direction again. But now I'm really curious how to get out of my neighborhood going east. And I will find it this week. I'm going to read a book by Lewis and Clark. Anyway, so we just have to mentally go, I'm going to renew my mind, renew my thinking. I'm not going to think the way my parents thought. Not that your parents thought bad. But what if God's doing something different with you? You have to read and get your mind renewed in order to be open-minded. You have to read things that don't line up maybe with how you've always thought. I'm reading a book right now that's driving me crazy. I can't even tell you what it is, but some of y'all think I lost my mind. That's how, it's a Christian author, but the book is radically different thinking than how I was brought up. But Christ is the core, Christ is the center, but the reality is I'm being challenged by this lady's book. And I'm doing it on purpose, and I'm going to read the next one after this. Why? Because I want to jolt my thinking. If you want something different, it may mean you have to do something different. Read. So I went and bought three books first year. I'm going to read the first three throughout this month, and then I'm going to get more. Why? I want my mind renewed. I want to startle my mind. I want to exercise my mind. You have to exercise your mind just like you have to exercise your body to strengthen the way you think emotionally feelings some of y'all have one feeling I had one feeling most of my life that I could identify I mean there were a bunch under there I just didn't know what they were so now I do feeling exercises I know guys are going what I mean we are about as emotional as that pole right there and, you know, we're really not. We're just afraid to identify them. So I have a list of emotions that I, I keep in my prayer thing, and I, I look over those just because I want to learn the language of feeling. I want to be able to identify why I hurt, when I hurt, when I'm fearful and admit. I'm, right now I'm in fear, and the Bible says that God had not given me a spirit of fear, so right now I've got to deal with this fear. I got to feel, I got to to deal with disappointment. I would never admit to you before that I was ever disappointed because I felt like it empowered you and made me look weaker. I never would use the word I'm hurt before because in my neighborhood you didn't hurt or somebody was going to take advantage of you and make you hurt more. Men never said they hurt and men never cried in my neighborhood. If you did, it was a sign of weakness and you were going to get beat up every day. So I had, I had one feeling, and that was a feeling of defense, which was anger. And I knew if I stayed angry enough, people might think I was crazy enough to do something stupid. I mean, you know, when you see somebody acting crazy, you're like, I think I'm going to let them just go on by. And it works, because if you act crazy, people think you're crazy, and people are afraid of crazy people. So don't be crazy. So I had to think, and then I had to, I have to, how do I want to grow emotionally? I want to learn more about what I'm feeling and why I'm feeling it. Men, this includes you. The minute you come in and you tell your wife, you know, when you said that the other day, it hurt my feelings. She may fall over. <laughs> She's never heard you say you hurt at all because we're, so, we're such men that we, we're not in touch with our feelings. Some of y'all need to take estrogen pills. See, because what we have criticized in women, we probably need. Well, women, I gave you a shot and you blew it. Thank you. Come on, somebody. I need to hear some high pitched voices. Hey, hallelujah. All right, so. And then physically. What are your goals? What do you want to see happen physically? This is always the big one. This is usually at the front people don't, you know, most people say how do I want to grow spiritually? I'm going to go to church. This is a location and you can achieve a measure of spiritual growth here. But this is a discipline of being in the right place so that God can do something in your life that will change you. So this is an act of submission and that's a good thing. You're submitting a part of your weekend, your time to God, and this submission will change you. I'm just telling you, being in church, submitted to worship, will change you. But now physically, those of you who want to lose weight, here's what I want to tell you to do. This is a tip. That you need to go home, and if you want to lose weight, print out the biggest font on the printer of the weight you want to lose. Put it on the refrigerator and on kitchen cabinets. The pantry where Satan's food is. The Twinkies, the donuts. A little close to home, didn't I? Put minus 20. Somebody walk into your house and say, Is that how low your refrigerator goes? No, that's what I'm losing this year. Some of you lost it last year, and when you looked in the mirror and turned around, you found it. (laughs) This year, we want you to lose it all. You didn't know. You got to hold yourself accountable. Have an open mind to see what you haven't seen before. One person said, the eye sees only what the mind is prepared to comprehend. The eyes will only see what your mind is prepared to comprehend. When I first got born again, I thought Christians were crazy, and I still do. In a good way now. But at that time, when somebody talked to me about miracles and healing, I didn't believe in them. I just thought, we're just going to heaven and all you crazy people that believe in miracles, you're crazy people. And then I needed a miracle. And I thought, I want to be a crazy person. How I many of you know you don't believe in miracles until you need one, huh? So, you know, you, you had to get an open mind. My mind could not comprehend that God was still doing miracles today. Didn't comprehend that. Didn't realize that. And, and you know, I'd heard things like, you know, the age of miracles is past, and then I heard Brother Osteen say, We don't serve an age of miracles, we serve a God of miracles. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and what he did back then, he will do today. God has not stopped doing miracles. And all we do, our negative minds go to somebody who died of cancer. And if you got cancer, it doesn't mean you're going to die of cancer. It means you believe God and stand for that miracle. And if you do die, you're at the right hand of Jesus. And there ain't anybody going to argue with you anyway. So don't make your decision to believe or not believe on mankind. Make your decision to believe because of the cross of Christ and the empty tomb that he is the same today never going to change. You see, we don't see what we're not looking for. We just don't see what we're not looking for. And if you're not looking for a miracle, you're never going to see a miracle. So start looking. When Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, guess what? He had to keep his eyes open and keep an open mind that now, if in fact God is present and he says, whoa, I am ruined because I've seen God high and lifted up, let me tell you, you will see God. If you open your eyes to God, I see God every day. When I get up, I see him in the breath that I breathe, the steps that I take. Every day, I see God in my life. You didn't get up this morning and have to think about breathing. You got up this morning and you breathed. You didn't have to think about it. That, my friend, is a miracle, nothing short of. The fact that you don't even have to think about breathing. That God every second is breathing life into you. Every moment you are being breathed by the very miracle of God. The problem with us is we always want to earn stuff. I want to earn my forgiveness. I want to earn grace. I want to earn favor. Let me tell you something. With God, you submit to those things. You don't earn them. a little heavy for religious people on January the 8th. I'm only standing up here by grace. There's not one reason I ought to be standing up here except the grace of God, the mercy of God, the forgiveness of God. The only reason I get to stand up here. And you are a beautiful reflection of God's grace to me. And I don't take that lightly. I just look and go, God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just be grateful this year. If you can't think of something to say, just go, thank you. Walking in the hall, get on an elevator and just begin to worship God. You've got a captive crowd. And if you want an elevator all by yourself and you work in the same building, you'll have your own elevator within seven days. When you get on, everybody else will get off and you go, thank God, I got my own Express Vader right here. This stops on the floor. I want it to stop on because ain't nobody getting on with me. Thank you, Jesus. Make Christianity fun. Don't make it a burden. Don't make it something you have to do to perform. Don't don't act like you're not good enough because you're not. That's the beauty of Christianity. I'm not good enough, but he's God enough to fill me with his spirit. I love that. Because there are days, I'm just a rascal. There are just days that hell massages me. And I just feel touched. That's the day you don't want to be on the road next to me. I have a mosaic sticker on the back window of my car, and I hate it. I do it. Every time I honk at somebody, and it happened last night, some moron. No, no, some blessed child of God (laughs) was not being carried by the Spirit of God. And I was just like, seriously? And there was like nobody in front of him. People passing us on the left and I'm in the right. And then I, I honk and then I'm passing him and I'm thinking, please take a right because you're going to see Mosaic on the back. <laughs> I just want to get something by. So said, just honking for Jesus. He wants you to get out of my way too. We don't get what God has because we're ready. We get it because we're willing and submitted. That's why we get it. You know, know, the old saying is God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. That's just how God works. I mean, you know, I'm an anomaly to so many, especially in the neighborhood I grew up in. They'll come just to hear me and go, that's the fool we used to run around with. There is a God. There is a God. Some of you the same way, only you're worse. We can't hang on to what was and transition to what could be or might be. You have to move forward. Secondly, keep a positive outlook and positive attitude. See, some of y'all, you have it in here, but it hasn't reached here yet, and it certainly hadn't reached here because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So I can tell you who you are by having a conversation with you. If I Have you ever asked someone how how they're doing and you regret it because they're going to give you an organ recital well you know my heart and then my arm and then my thumb and my knee just give me all kind of, I think it's the weather it's cold out here and you know and, and you're like going oh it's like I, I I used to quit asking people how they were doing because I and then I look for somebody around me can you let them finish their novel no, now what I do, and this is what I really try to do, and I'm not in denial, and I'm not lying. Somebody say, how you doing? I'm good enough to be twins. Is this always that way? You know what I realize is there's more of God than there is more of my troubles. There's more of God than my troubles. So I just have to address my troubles with the more of God. Positive outlook, positive attitude. Some of you have heard me tell this story. It's my favorite story of all time. This couple had beautiful twin boys, and they looked just alike, dressed like. I couldn't tell them apart, except there was one way you could tell these boys apart was their, their outlook on life and their attitude. One of them was a pessimist. One of them was an optimist, and they were extreme on both sides. And, and and so the parents, as the kids grew up, three, four, five, they began to notice the difference in the two boys, and it was so radical that they were concerned that the, the child who was a pessimist just wasn't going to make it in life. They just thought, you know, he's always around his brother. His brother overshadows him. As the brother walks into the room, the room lights up. And what are we going to do? So they went to see a psychologist, and they, they told the psychologist, look, we, we need help. We're afraid that our, one of our sons is going to grow up and do something crazy because his brother is just always so optimistic about everything. He, he's always laughing. He's always having fun. When we spank him, He laughs. He just thinks it's a game that we're playing, and the psychologist said, you know, I've seen this before, but never in identical twins, and so let's think of a way that that we can try to shift this and do something about it, so they created these two different rooms for the boys side by side, neither boy could see what was in the other room, and uh, they had this one way, you could look through the glass, and and from the outside looking in to see how they were behaving, and so in the one room, you guys have heard me tell the story many times, there are all these toys, and all these wonderful things, I mean like candy, cotton, and all these machines of just food and toys, and they put the negative boy, the pessimist, in that room, and they thought, man, this will light him up because he's by himself, and he's going to see how awesome all this room is and everything in the room, and so they put him in there, and and uh, they put the other boy in another room, and and uh, so they, they're standing at the room where the negative boy was, hoping to see change, and they're watching him, and he's sitting there with the same countenance sitting in the middle of the floor, not playing with anything. And they were totally confused because they just thought this is going to light him up. He's, his brother's not in there. He's going to see that he's special. He's got, you know, he's got all this stuff to himself. He doesn't have to share it with anybody. And so they already put the other twin, the optimist, in the other room, and they go to that window. And in that room, unlike the pessimist son, they had nothing but horse Manure. And when they walked over to that glass, this boy's throwing horse manure everywhere. I mean, he's slinging it up against the walls. He's digging into it. He's all over his face. And they were so confused, and they were frightened because he's in manure. manusha. And so they open the door fast, and they run into there, and they said, What are you doing? He said, With this much manure, there's bound to be a pony under here somewhere. So when life gives you a shabba-ba-ba-ba, then you just got to turn it around. Because as the bumper sticker says, it does happen. And when it happens, you need to look for the pony under the stuff. Some of y'all get upset if you don't get the color of car. You want to, I didn't get the color of car. Just change the way you look at it, baby. Positive outlook, outlook, positive attitude. And the only way you do that is by what? Renewing your mind. Renewing your mind. Renewing your mind. Renewing your mind. I was always the optimist in my family. I am still the optimist in my family. You know why? Because I found out that negative thinking doesn't change anything for the better. You, some of you all think you're picked on. Your boss doesn't like you. You know, you don't get treated fairly. I'm so tired of the entitled victim mentality in America. Man, it, it, I'm just telling you, make yourself noticed. Smile. Smile. When you see, smile. That's all. Some of y'all haven't smiled in like a decade. And when you do, you're going to crack both sides of your mouth. Just get some uh, Neosporin, it'll heal. Just start Smiling. And if you're really comfortable, go up and pat your boss on the back. He's going to question why. You might even get fired. Or you might get promoted. Because all of i let me tell you something. When you become magnetic, you'll draw all things unto you. When you get happy, you'll be surprised at how many people want to be around you. You wonder why you don't have friends? Look in the mirror. See, now you're scowling at me. What do you mean? You're just doing what you always do. Just, see, my plan for right now, listen, let me tell you something. This is We've been at church for nine months. Nine months. And look at this crowd, packed out. Okay. Now, I'm happy. I'm thrilled. I love you. But you know what? At Easter, I want to see 1,000 people at Easter. That's, that's, that's what I want. I think maybe 1,500. Maybe I'm dreaming too small. See, it doesn't cost me anything to say 1,500, 1,500, 1,500. I don't have to pay one dime to say that. I can say it if I want to. I can say 2,000, 2,000, 2,000. See, some of y'all go well, well, well. See, we've only been in church nine months, and it'll be just over a year by that time. We shouldn't expect that. I'm expecting. So, why is that important? So, I feel like we have a. I feel like we have an atmosphere in here, an atmosphere in here, and a word that can change lives. I feel like there are people who are sad who are going to become happy when they come here. Seventy percent of you are there. The other 30, we're going to get to you. I'm going to find a way to crack that shell. You'd be surprised what will happen in your soul, in your body, if you just get happy. You know when you're happy, your body actually releases endorphins that are healthy? Some of y'all could be healthy if you just get happy. You wouldn't even have to pay a fitness fee. Keep eating those Krispy creams. Just smile a little more. Yeah, I think it will burn more calories. Just get happy. You know you can you can remember how everybody's treated you, how wrong you've been treated, how people have gossiped about you. You know what? You're re- if people are gossiping about about you, you ought to you just look and go. I'm really popular. People talk about me. <laughs> They're not talking about anybody else. People talking about me. That means their life sucks. <laughs> if you're talking about me, you got real issues, my brother. It's amazing. And if you're going to talk about somebody, talk about them in such a way that they will want to know who you're talking about. You're talking about me? That way? Am I really that good and that happy? In your mind, you're going, no, but I'm trying to get you there. Start talking about people in a way that would cause them to want to change to be the person you're talking about. If someone's bitter and sour, say, you know what? They are the sweetest person I've ever been around. And then, of course, your friends will be confused when they meet them. But you can tell them, I'm speaking to who they're supposed to be, not who they are. I'm talking about the person God died for them to be, not the person the devil's tried to make them be. There ain't nothing to sneeze about. All right, now, see, sometimes you just, you just have to create You have to create the scenario that you want. And you say, I've never been told I could do that. You can do that. Sometimes you just got to talk to yourself. The psalmist talked to himself. Some of y'all need to talk to yourself. The future belongs to those who learn more skills and combine them in creative ways. It doesn't belong to the brilliant and the intelligent. Though I'm thankful for the brilliant and intelligent, I'll tell you what. If you will have an attitude of faith and confidence in who God made you, you'll be surprised at where it will take you. What do you want to be in 2017? You know, everybody looks at miracles and says, well, you got a miracle. You know what? How many times Israel got a miracle? Crossing the Red Sea was a miracle. Would you agree with that? I mean, I I, I just want to figure out someday how that must have looked. You know, theologians have tried, tried to explain the miracle of the Red Sea away. They said, well, they, during, that, during that time when this was written, there was, there was really uh, no water. I would say God parted dirt. What's even a greater miracle is all of those Egyptians drowned in a puddle. Still a miracle, no matter how you slice it, you liberal freak. All right, now. No, they didn't, walk on, they didn't walk on dry ground between two walls of water. Great. Then the miracle is Egyptians drowned. And if you're an Egyptian, please forgive me. That was back in the day. You're a new Egyptian. All right, now, I know it's politically incorrect. I just can't get out of it now. It's too late. So anyway, everybody wants to walk on water, but nobody wants to get out of the boat. I want to walk on water like Peter did. Get out of the boat. I want to make more money like my friend who left the company I worked for did Then leave the company. I want a miracle, but I want it here. <laughs> so American. The woman with the issue of blood, she had had it. She spent all of her money, did everything she could to get healed. And you know what? Finally, she said, I don't give a flip about all you religious people. Elbowing, hitting, kneeing, pulling robes, pulling turbans. She gets to Jesus and grabs his robe. And guess what, man? If if you have the courage to touch the robe of the Son of God without being asked, you're a stud. She's like, I'm getting to that man because I heard good things happen. She touches, boom, and Jesus said, well, who touched me? And the disciples are freaked out because there's a crowd everywhere. People are bumping all over Jesus, around Jesus. But Jesus felt something from that woman. He didn't feel from anybody else. She put a demand on the Son of God and the power of God and said, I want to be healed so bad, I'll do something I've never done. I'm going to get my miracle because my miracle's walking by. My miracle's been waiting on me. My miracle was born 30-some years ago, and I found my miracle, and I'm going to touch my miracle, and I'm going to get my miracle. And y'all can say what you want to say but jesus said virtue and strength and power has left my body he felt it and let me tell you he still feels it when you put a demand on his authority his power and his strength he still feels it jesus i need more money up in here jesus said i thought you'd never ask i need a better job i need a better car i need a better house jesus i'm putting a demand on your promise You're not putting really actually a demand on him. You're putting a demand on what he said he would do. And he's not a man that he should lie, the Bible says. And some of y'all say, well, I kind of did that for the first two weeks of 2016. (laughs) Aren't you a woman of faith and power? (laughs) Two whole weeks, my God. Teach me how you did it. Some of y'all worried, quit getting worried, get happy. When you laugh, the devil's confused. And he has a board meeting with all of his little imps. And while he's having a board meeting, God moves on your behalf. And he comes back from the board meeting and you're blessed. And then he goes and chews out his imps again and you get blessed again when he's gone. I don't know. I don't know how that works. I just have that image. I don't know. Okay, and then I'm going to close with this because it's time. Don't leave right now because everybody knows that you're impatient. And that's not really a God virtue. Patience is. Fruit of the Spirit is not impatience. All right? I'm almost done. Look for what's best, not what's easiest. We always look for what's easiest. We always got a way to do things. You can microwave anything. You know that? I mean, it's like people live You don't need a stove in America anymore. We just microwave everything. And I'm not against microwaves. I actually like them since I don't cook that well. But I'm I'm learning. You probably don't want to be a lab rat for me. But anyway, microwaves are great. but, But they're not as good as cooking on the stove. They say the nutrients are sucked out in the wave. Like Martians inside there turning that thing. I don't know. But anyway. So everything I've just told you is going to take some time. Seven minutes submitting to God, twenty minutes reading a book, hour going to the gym. You see what I'm saying? It's not the easiest thing to do, but it's the best. So make it a habit this year. Make it a habit. Keep an open mind and open heart. Keep a positive attitude, positive outlook. Don't ask yourself what's easiest. Ask yourself what's the best. What well, can I do this the best? Let's pray. Father, thank you that uh, you didn't look for what was easiest. You sent your only son. That was the best. Died for our sins, rose from the dead, victorious. And today we are forgiven because of his work. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if today you have yet to submit your life to God, which is the beginning of everything I've talked about. It's not performing for God. It's not about you quitting smoking, drinking, cussing, chewing. That's religion. If you stop these things then God will forgive you. No, God doesn't forgive you because of what you do. God forgives you because of what Jesus did. And then you submitting to what Jesus did. I know some of those things destroy your life, but let me tell you something. The first step to any type of health or growth is submission to God. So how come the Bible says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. The very first thing you can do is submit to God. Those of you watching online, same thing. So with heads bowed and eyes closed of today, you've never submitted your life to God, you say, hey, what's that mean? I'm just going to pray a prayer with you. And what it means is this, that you have confessed your sin by admitting your sin and just submitting it to God. It doesn't mean you're going to walk out of here with angel wings and halos. It just means you're going to walk out of here forgiven because you have submitted to forgiveness. Now, He's already forgiven you, but if you haven't submitted to Him, then that forgiveness awaits you that your miracle awaits your decision it awaits your confession your miracle is awaiting you giving that to god so with heads bowed and eyes closed you say man today i need to do that i just want you to lift your hands up right now in this room just lift them up say pray for me thank you are there others thank you thank you over here thank you those of you watching online wherever you are if you're in your living room just lift your hand nobody's around just lift it i'm telling you right now the devil will go have a board meeting because you are surrendering your life to God. So I want all of us to pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, thanks for dying on the cross for me. Today I submit my life to you. I confess I'm a sinner, but now I'm saved. Now I'm forgiven. I surrender my sin to you. Amen.